can never if, call you uh, smart. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what changes about you as you get older is mm-hmm. you realize how precious your time is. It's just a rage because you suck so bad. You know what I try and do? I try and be my kid's hero. I've always sucked really, really bad at shooters. It's good to hear your voice, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. Dave here. While Phil and I were recording some of the recent episodes on consoles and massively multiplayer online games, we kept brushing up against the fact uh, when we started gaming multiplayer meant sitting on a couch together in front of a screen and just to see the rise of that and today it's not even a separate category it's just when you're gaming you're gaming with friends i hope you enjoy this episode and a look back (laughs) (laughs) i guess we didn't get the giggles all out no Uh, how are you man i'm doing good (laughs) good so What's new and top of mind for me this week? Typical dad thing, right? I, um, gosh, how did that even start? I forget why I went down there. For some reason, I needed to go into the basement and I had already checked all the air filters. So maybe I was doing like spring cleanup or something like this, right? Where, you know, everybody does this where you go around the house, you change all the air filters and, you know, you're, you're just checking things, getting it ready, right? So I go down to my basement, and you know how the one side is set up um, where my HVAC is and all my stuff. And I love learning more and more about the house. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on this show, but I bought a new place uh, almost two years now. And so it was relearning, and not a new place. You know, it's an older house, but it's new to us. Uh, and just learning everything inside and out. And I, cause I hate not understanding stuff. And so this new place had a humidifier connected to the HVAC that you could set the percentage of humidity. So when the heat comes, it's not super dry, right? That's really uh, interesting. I, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Yeah, man. It's like, uh, because, of, and, and I looked this up because of what we went through in uh, the previous house. Um, we got super alert to if there's anything in the air, right? Because you learn once you get like mold in a basement, you can kind of detect it, you know, how your body feels. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned was anything like under 25% humidity, you, you, my skin at least, and definitely other people in my family starts to feel itchy and it's dry skin, right? And so a lot of times we would just run humidifiers in the winter. So it's pretty cool. This is a unit that goes on the side. There's water. It's in your water line, you know, like if you had a water line go in the fridge or whatever. And it goes through this filter system uh, and then it blows out uh, humidity into the air as the, the fresh hot air is going. And you could set it. There's like a dial. Usually I set it closer to 40% for the wintertime. Well, as part of the, the cleanup, <laughs> you, you get rid of these filters and – um, I was talking to the guy, like I, I had a guy come over when I first got the house um, just to work on the HVAC. And then I kind of like take notes and learn everything. And one of the things he was telling me is like, you know, people forget to change these things. Mm-hmm. You know, people are busy and it's, you can get like Legionnaire's disease. Oh yeah. Just leave this filter and stuff in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's part of my routine that I do. And every spring go through and I change the filter. So for whatever reason, I don't know what was on my mind. <laughs> I I'm laughing about it now. I go to pull the filter out. Now, the filter has 
around it, if you can imagine this, is this black mold that basically that's where you connect the hose to so that the water goes around through the filter and drains out the bottom. Oh, God. So like an idiot, I pulled the whole thing. Oh. Now, I didn't know I did this because I'm just bagging and you know I had other things going on. Um, and I was like, all right, that jo- you know, job's done, threw it all in the bag. Um, two days later, uh, as you know, part of spring, my oldest and I were getting the the deck ready. So we store all the chairs and stuff on that side. So we go to the chairs, I walk in, and there's like an inch of water across the entire place. Oh. And I was like, oh man, like what happened? And um <laughs> And I have, you know, from my days at McDonald's and Lowe's, we, we talked about this before. I have like the mop that we all remember, that big mm-hmm. Rubbermaid yellow thing yeah. uh, in my basement. So I'm like, all right, no big deal. I'll clean all this up and just get the water because I don't want that to be a problem. And as I'm cleaning it all up, I'm starting to see, I'm like, wait, this is all coming from the HVAC, like around the HVAC. Because that's the first thing you do is you check the hot water heater and the hot water heaters new you know we got like a bigger one when we moved into the house and so i'm like why would it come out of an hvac i'm like there's the condensation line could get backed up but i know exactly where the condensation line is i learned all about that my old house because that's what caused it condensation line drip you know the french drain completely clean so i'm like well where would all this water go and then i'm like let me check the humidifier so i open it up and sure enough there's still like water dripping a little bit from the hose because I just left the hose there as I ripped the thing out. Mm-hmm. It didn't go into the drain area. And so basically I caused the entire thing. Meanwhile, um, <laughs> my wife had called a plumber. You know, It was an emergency to come over. And so I answered the door like, hey, I'm an idiot. It was me. And he's like, all right, well, do you want me to just verify? I was like, sure. But I already know I'm an idiot. And so he came down. He's like, yep, that's what it was, man. And I was like, yeah. Lesson learned. So that's my lesson learned. I know everything I need to know about humidifiers into the HVAC system. I cleaned up my mess. I had to tear up those mats, those rubber mats. I started oh, putting down no. back there. So yeah, I had to tear it all up and uh, clean, all? clean it. Yeah, I cleaned it. Luckily, they cleaned pretty good. But here's the blessing in it is that I was like, you know what? Not for nothing. I wonder if there's still water in there. And so we had the um, the vents, the ductworks all cleaned. Which when we bought the house, I mean, the house is like 20 something years old. I don't think that was ever done. So there was like three inches of buildup and dust and all stuff in the vents. And one of the things they do, I don't know if you've ever had this done, is they'll like cut a hole into your main ductwork. Then they patch it up. Um, and that's so that they can get in with all the, mm-hmm. the vacuums and stuff. And yeah. so um, I opened that up and it was pretty cool the way – I mean, they did a good job. Like they had um, – it was taped down, but even with the tape, they had everything bolted and screwed back with this like metal sheet. So I opened all that up and I went in and lo and behold, there's no water, but there's tons of cement dust just uh, sitting in the bottom from mm-hmm. when I had the whole basement sealed, which you already know a lot of people in my family are super allergic to that. Cement dust and um, drywall dust. It's mm-hmm. like crazy reactions. So it's like, I, you know, I guess it was good. I, this is my vindication, right? It's like I did a stupid dad thing, but in the end it led us to discovering a bunch of dust that we could have been breathing in. So nice. I took care. So that's what's new on top of my mind, man. I uh, completely screwed up and now it'll never happen again. And I ordered all the parts off Amazon. So I was able to fix the whole thing. Oh, nice, man. Good job. Yeah. You live and you learn, right? Out. You live exactly. and yeah, so, so so what's new with me? I mean, my um my kids are at Disney right now with their mom, so I've had the whole week to oh, uh, wow. 
Yeah, to myself. It's we it's a weird thing, you know, seeing like Instagram posts of my kids in another state, but you know, I guess uh Yeah, I can't even imagine. after even after 7 years uh, I'm still not quite used to it, but uh it is what it is. <laughs> well, it's uh it's preparing for the future, right? Cuz they're going to have their own lives that we won't know about anyway. Right. And we'll, they'll be posting all sorts of stuff. Right. And I'll have them next year for spring break, so it's like, you know. Oh, nice. Not- you got to go big. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm uh, taking them to Aruba in a couple couple months. So, oh, we'll, nice. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's going on. I've been just sort of um, focusing on the gym a little bit more. You know, I was late with my my New Year's resolution, but but I finally had had enough a couple of weeks ago and just started hitting it hard. So, I feel pretty good. I think I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, seeing some improvement and ready for the summer. Yeah, I am super proud of you, man, because, I mean, you were total beast mode when we were in college, and you have such amazing genetics. And for me, it's super easy for me to put on fat. It's really hard to actually grow a muscle. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that it's such an important part of, like, going hard in the gym, but you also need to get sleep and you need to eat right. Yeah. And um, the fact that you're doing that now, like, I'm all excited. I really am, man, like, to see how you're going to look just a year from now yeah i've never i've never done cardio in my life like i just sort of burned it all off you always did the basketball yeah you were like well i I never let me put it to you this way i never went to the gym and went on a treadmill or or a bike right yeah i would just go lift and go home and like you know eat whatever the hell i wanted to so now i'm uh i'm real careful about what i eat i'm looking you know at the calories every day and and uh, we'll see been going hard for about a month and a half now so a little bit of room left to go are you using my fitness pal? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I uh, and I have meals. I wonder if I could share them with you too. I I posted one on Instagram, and uh, a lot of people liked it. I was surprised, but it's it's basically you remember Hamburger Helper when we grew up. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I wanted something with meat and cheese, but I I wanted like I've been going high protein protein, and I do super low carb. Um, and so it's not necessarily keto, which I have done. But I didn't want to do keto when I was trying to lift. I wanted to go higher protein and lower carb. And I want to have some carbs, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to have them a lot from veggies. And so I took like ground beef, put a tablespoon of butter, and grilled it up in a pan on uh, my stove. And then I added in steak seasoning. And then I added in two and a half cups of like shredded sharp cheddar. Mm-hmm. And then I took asparagus and steamed it and chopped it up. It's freaking fantastic, man. It tasted like hamburger helpful, but it's basically like a cheeseburger. And uh, all up is maybe like 900 calories, but it was tons of protein. Nice. um, And fat for the day. Yeah. Yeah, Send send that my way. I'll check it out. I think I might like – because I have like a lot of things. So like you know vegetables, right? Like how do you – so I buy them fresh and then I cut them and then I got these special bags that you it takes 90 seconds and they're steamed and they taste amazing oh wow and so it's like i've gotten all these little tricks from my weight loss journey that are just like habit now they're like maybe i should start sharing these things out as recipes and the only reason i started doing it was because my oldest now is on this total fitness kick i wish you Um, really that's interesting yeah and here's a funny thing um because now I'm all into it. She was asking me for a while. She's like, dad, I want to, I want a box. I want a bag down here in the gym. And I was like, no, no, no. What are we going to do that? You know, forget it. Uh, and then I was like one day when I was lifting down here, I looked up and across the wood beams, because the beams are like combined, like three of those wood beams you've seen before. They're, yeah. they're combined together in one section. Mm-hmm. 
lo and behold, there's a metal ring sticking out there, like almost like oh. they had a. Yeah, they probably did have one. Yep. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I uh, I'm gonna go. I got uh, an MMA bag, heavy bag, Everlast, mm-hmm. off Amazon. It was like under a hundred bucks. Um, and then hung it up there, and, and it's like perfect. And so now I'm looking into how to punch properly. Yeah. How to you know first started out with like how to wrap your hands. Yeah, they they have gloves like training gloves that you can get too. I have a pair of them because I used to do that in my um in my gym also just to oh, blow nice, off man. some steam. Yeah, it's basically just it's sort of like the MMA um, gloves, but not as thick, and you can just right. uh, protect your hands a little bit. Yeah, that's what they these came with MMA gloves. Oh, they did. Cool. I, yeah, yeah, and um, 120 inch wraps, mm-hmm. uh, a pair of those, and so. Man, like the first thing I did is like I went on YouTube and I started looking out workouts and like how to punch properly. And a lot of it is like footwork too, moving around. Oh, yeah. Making yep. sure you're holding up your hand on one side versus the other. So I'm all into that. Probably talk about it next on the episode, how I do. But that's mm-hmm. totally my daughter inspiring me to go and try something different versus sitting on the treadmill playing Hearthstone. Nice. Right? nice. So- <laughs> yeah, I, I struggle a little bit with the, the – um with the treadmill. Yeah, like I've been doing 20 minutes of cardio after my workouts and I just find it dreadfully boring. They have an array of like 12 TVs or whatever. Yeah. And I just, it's still, it, so I do books on audio, you know, more or less I pick yeah. up what I, where I left off on my commute home. I'll, I'll listen to some books, but uh, it's still, it's a bit, little bit of a slog. I like being outside and just running. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally a personal preference, you know? Here's the, so I, because I always go inside my head. So indoors was okay, but somebody said something to me in a recent conversation that I was like, oh man, that is the first argument for outdoor running for an indoor runner like me that makes me want to go do it. And you know what it was? What's that? The smells. They're like, when you go outside and you can literally smell springtime. or oh, yeah. the, the way that they said it was like, it's right before a rain or right after a rainstorm and you're yeah. out there, there's like, there's nothing else in life. You're out there and you're just breathing that in. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go run outside right now. Yeah. Well, it's, it's <laughs> so not just that when you're running on a treadmill, you don't feel the, you're not parting the, the, the air as you cut through it, you know, you're yeah. just standing in one spot. Whereas if you're running towards something, you're, you know, you're running through the air. And so you feel it up against your face and it just, it's a, you know, it's just a different yeah. feeling. Totally right, man. Maybe that's something I do in 2019. I'm proud of you for listening to music when you work out now too. Yeah. I, oh, was, yeah. I was like, wow, I don't know how you, cause that's where I get to me. Music is the language of emotion. Like you can't mm-hmm. explain emotion in words and there are amazing poets that try and do it, but there's nothing like music, right. to convey that. And so like for me to get in that Rocky moment headspace mm-hmm. yeah. is a song, you know? Yeah. And, the uh, AirPods, the AirPods are, are uh, it's, it was just so easy. Just pop those things in. I got these little hook, these little hooks that go in so that when I shake my head, they don't fall uh, that's out That's what I was going to – because I have little baby ear canals, and mm-hmm. so the, everything always slips out. But if there's clips for those things – Yeah, it's like a little rubber like sleeve that goes over the AirPod, and then it has a little like hook that um, – that like connects to another part of your ear and you could shake your head. You could do a handstand. Oh, nice. send, me a, send me a link to that because my oldest, she has the same problem with working out uh, when sweating and she loves her. Uh, AirPods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got them. All on right. Amazon. So, so um, as part of, you know, what's new it, 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 and our topic for today is multiplayer games. And I really started getting, thinking about this because 
there was back in March, there was the EverQuest 20th anniversary. And back then we were all playing like it was a, here's the thing I had forgotten is that back then all of these type of games, you could not progress without other people Mm -hmm. and they couldn't be random people. And because WoW, World of Warcraft, and Elder Scrolls Online, which are the two main MMOs that I play, have random dungeon groups. In fact, WoW has a random raid group. And I forgot the impact of that for progression. And it was super interesting, is going back in time 20 years to realize what I know now is that I'm a very goal oriented person. And the other thing I started to realize. Like, you remember when we were in the alpha days, there was a group of jokers that were always playing video games upstairs. I, and, I heard uh, of them, but I, I was not in the building enough because I was actually You may out know some of available. them. One of them we happened to play, uh, we played WoW with, and he still mm-hmm. plays Hearthstone and Overwatch. And nothing against those dudes. Like, I was always like, that's great. But there was something in my brain. And I had an opportunity where I could have. I, sometimes I was sitting in the same room trying to get work done while this was going around. Mm-hmm. And I literally couldn't. And I couldn't figure out why until now, 20 years later, what it is. You want to know what it is? Sure. This is what it is. In my life, everything that I do, because it's very public facing uh, in my job and being a dad and you know everything else, there's room for judgment. Mm-hmm. There's two areas where I don't get judged. One is when I'm working out because I'm not in a gym, unless I'm on the road. I have my own home gym. So it's completely, I can go all out without judgment other than Mm -hmm. my own. And games, I realized, were always that way for me. Even when I was playing with you guys, I used to think it was something in my brain where like I didn't want to be part or or I had to be somewhere at a certain time. But now I look back and it's – when you, when you look at personality tests, I do have high levels of neuroticism. It's all about my fear of failing you guys. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I've worked this all out because I went back in time with these things and I started grouping with people. And this is the first weird thing, Phil, is uh, do you remember that dungeon on rest where it was like all on dead and everything? It was, it was near the elf area. I don't know if you got that. Yeah, it's, no, it's a I, huge I, part of everything. Yeah, all right. So that's where the train have, was all the time, right? Yeah, they were trained to zone and stuff. Yeah. So there's so many people playing. I don't know how it is now, but when the 20th anniversary week kicked off, it was just tons of people playing and they have instancing now. So it's not just one on rest of zone, uh, one zone of unrest. There was hundreds of these things. Mm-hmm. That's how many people were playing. And so what would happen is you would group and it's a chat interface. So it's not voice the way everything is today. Like my kids think nothing of Fortnite and Overwatch and they're talking to random people, right? But the way it was for us, you were typing. So it was like a giant chat room. Mm -hmm. And so I would meet these people and we would be leveling and I would find myself up till three o'clock in the morning because I didn't want to abandon them because I played an enchanter, which has the ability to charm and do all these other things, right? Yeah. And I'm like, why can't I leave? Like, I need to be getting sleep. And I started, my sleep patterns started getting screwed up. My diet, I started eating at like two in the morning, which I would never, I always, I've been doing intermittent fasting, right? Mm -hmm. And all these weird things would be happening. And I'm like, I could technically just, these aren't people I'm ever going to see again, get up and leave. And I started analyzing it. And now I'm like, I realize what this entire thing has always been about is the reason that I gamed anonymously or I'd always try and go the solo route was that I never failed anybody. Mm -hmm. And now when there was this 
opportunity where I wanted to go forward and progress in this game with a goal, <laughs> I would just dedicate all this time to all these other people. Super weird. But 20 years later, I get the answer to that. Yeah, and, see, I was, uh, I was different because I knew that they wouldn't succeed without me. And so I I felt like if I didn't play with them, they would fail. And that was my own guilt. Like I felt like I had to be on for them <laughs> back then. Well, you were always the cornerstone of it, though. You've always been the most charismatic individual in the group. And you've always been the one that brought all the friends together. And so if you weren't there, we were all just kind of like in screw around mode. Like we weren't really marked. You were the leader, man. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to those games, at one point you were the tank and the healer. Right. <laughs> so it's like we're not gonna do anything without you. So um that I was I always admired your tenacity in that, in that you were willing to to go and do it. And so, and me and my brain at that time, which I know now, I would be like, wow, I could never do that because this is supposed to be my time where I have no opportunity to fail anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that kind of like you could fail everybody, uh, but you were always great at being the tank and the and the uh the healer. And that's how we got progression. Yep. Uh, but I didn't, you know, and here's the other thing that, that, so because of this, because I've had this solitary gaming and I play all these modern games, I didn't know about things like Discord. Mm-hmm. And I, you remember me texting you, I was like, Phil, did you know there's this like app, it runs on my phone yeah. and it's like every game. It's not even like the the guild or the group or friends. It's like just people talking all day long about their game. Like you can join Discord chats for WoW and Elder Scrolls and yeah, Overwatch. It's crazy. And it is crazy. And I so then all this, I was like, wow, because you always think in, in in human beings is in terms of tribes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for especially for me as somebody who just wants to go and talk about this stuff, is the ability to go at any time and just people discuss things. And um it was super interesting. It's been like this social experiment for me. So I joined this guild. And here's the other thing I do. Um, you remember, and this I, I could talk about this because I won't say his character's name or anything. But I was at a, uh, and I and I don't want to talk about my day job on this podcast either. But you mm-hmm. you know, I was at doing something for work, and I ran into somebody who happened to know Jim Lee, uh, and I was talking about how I the EverQuest 20th anniversary was coming around, and uh, how I I was totally into. What I knew Jim Lee had played it, and I talked about you know what a fan I was of it. So then he texted Jim Lee, and then Jim Lee was talking about those days. That's uh, so cool. He, yeah, how he played a paladin. I won't say what server or anything like that. Um, but what was interesting is now because of my my um, my neuroticism about failing people, and then my day job where I'm a public figure. What I noticed is. I was completely anonymous, even to the point of Discord. I never even used an image of my real self. So there's nothing pointing to me. I was just just anonymous rando from the internet that mm-hmm. joined this guild. Um, it was on Mag- it was a really cool guild called uh, Magic and Melee, um, which I just I started out loving the name. I'm like, I really like that name. <laughs> and um, so then the, they have this thing called DKP. Do you remember this? Dragon oh, Kill yeah. Points. Oh, yeah. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, man. So it brought all this back. So I had to apply and I talked about, you know, I was a veteran. Didn't mention who I was in real life or anything. Um, and so then I got into the guilds and then we started raiding. We raided the Plane of Sky, the Plane of Hate, and we took down Vox and Nagafa. So these are all dragons. So this was all the stuff I always wanted to do 20 years ago. I did now, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I did it completely anonymous, and then I built up my DKP points. And 
then all of a sudden, how do they keep track worked. of them? I've always, I've always wondered what the system. There's does. this <laughs> whole site, dude. Like there are these people that have written these websites that literally I could go. It was like, it was like working for a company. Like you could go in, you could see how much you've accumulated. They would take count every half hour of what was going on. Wow. See, I yeah, just think of the Anixia dude. Remember that video where the guy was yelling minus 50 yeah, DKP? Minus 50 DKP. Well, they would make <laughs> jokes like that too. They're like, if you ask a wrong question, it's minus 50 DKP. And everyone would joke. Um, and so they're all on Discord. And then what was cool is Discord allows you to do overlays. So then I would be playing EverQuest and then you could see who was talking. So you would get to know the names. Yeah. Here's something super interesting. Now, this is just anecdotal data. I don't know how far across it goes uh, across multiple games or whatever, but huge, huge military presence. And what I mean by that is lots of retired Navy, Air Force, and Army. Oh, interesting. They probably crave that environment, right? That's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, like – because you think about this, right? If you're going to lead 300 people in basically what is an op Mm – and and you're doing that voluntarily, like you're organizing it. You're the one talking, and you've got the time because they're retired. And then a lot of them would be on leave and things like that. Like some of them seem to be like off for a couple months, mm-hmm. back on. Um, like what what drives you to do that? And so it was super interesting because I felt like, and you know, my dad's an old Navy guy, but he doesn't talk about it a lot. And they would talk about like what it was like to be on a sub and how. The, and it was funny because I've always. I always like small startup culture. I like things scrappy. It's how mm-hmm. I operate. Once a once a company is like huge organizational practices, um, I start to get turned off from that. Unless it's a unless it's like a rogue, you know, Steve Jobs flying the pirate flag inside Apple, right? Like that's me. That's yeah. what I always like that. And uh, I've been fortunate to, to find groups like that within larger companies. But they said the small, I forget the ship. It's one of the smaller ships is like that. You don't, everyone doesn't adhere to protocol all the time. And then I've been going, like, as I travel, I would go to these museums and I would see these huge aircraft carriers and they'd have like an admiral on board and a captain. And I'd be like, wow, like there's an admiral on board. They said those ships suck because you have to do everything by the book uh-huh. <laughs> because the admiral's on board. And I was like, wow, it's kind of like companies. You know, I guess it's mm-hmm. people. Uh, regardless of where you are together as a group trying to do a purpose is you run into the same things and it's the, the, uh, <laughs> I see your note. Thank you for that <laughs> inside the, uh, it's not going to throw me off. It's not going to throw me off. So that's like, you know what that is? I've, I've gotten a, I've built up muscles to things like that where you could, it doesn't matter where you are, man. I've, I've done talks where it's like five people and I've done talks. I think the most I did was somewhere between, Eight and nine thousand in a keynote. Mm-hmm. There will always be, and it's always a man, usually an older gentleman, asleep, right really? in your face, right <laughs> in your face. It could even be thirty seconds in, and mm-hmm. everyone else, the entire audience is engaged, and you can tell when people are leaning in and having fun. And I remember when I first started doing like fifteen years ago, you would see that, and what happens is it sends yeah. another thread you, in your you brain. Think, You're like, you think I- something's wrong? Yeah, you're yeah. bombing. And it's no, it's just that's the way human beings are. Watch that. Next time you ever see an audience, it could be the most entertaining thing. Go look. There's always one dude asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gotten accustomed to getting thrown off like yeah. that. But, uh, I, I, I do the same thing in meetings. Like if somebody checks their phone, doesn't matter if like there's, you know, whatever, 30 people that are that are keyed into what I'm saying. If one person checks their phone, I'm like, what is going on that this that I have nothing worthwhile to say that they're checking their phone right now? 
Yeah, that's total addiction, man. That's the and uh, that's a whole another topic we can talk about. But that's the that whole fear of missing out and mm-hmm. and looking at things. Um, and so this this was super interesting, Phil. Was that it? It was. And there's a, something else I should talk about too. On like when we played EverQuest, they have this thing now called a Chrono, which is their currency. It's about seventeen dollars US. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you can do is there's entire economies across this server. So when a server just starts out from classic like this, this is all things I learned that I had no idea going in, mm-hmm. is that people will trade stuff in Chrono. And what happened is, so I'm an enchanter and I was hanging out in Lower Guck and I won um, Executioner's Axe and some of the other items on random rolls, which were items from, I don't know if you remember them from original EverQuest. No. And, I, and so I, every, I had enough of that um butt kicking uh, early on. <laughs> I moved on from that. I loved getting my butt kicked, man. There's something about that. And that started to suck me in. It was like, like I did that thing where I would literally, like I was, I could feel the vein in my temple because I just died again and I'm going to have to go get my corpse. And I'm like mad. And then mm-hmm. I would walk away and then 10 minutes later find myself going at it again. And nice. it tells more about myself. Like I'm just trying to because it's the journey, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I went on this hero's journey with EverQuest for the 20th anniversary. Now I'm done. Like there's nothing else I needed. I need to just – the journey was what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would get this. And you remember East Commons Tunnel, which was between yeah. the oh, desert yeah. and mm-hmm. – That's still there and people still trade stuff. And so I would be like, hey – Yeah, you used to uh, hang out in there. And I'd be like, yeah. man, I'd rather just play the game than talk to people. Oh, man. I got I to gotta show you this right now. Go the, – the website is TLP auctions.com mm-hmm. so you got to go to this phil go there right now all right and uh i will let me post this in the show notes too so that we have it so this is actually right now while we're talking this is people selling stuff in these counts and these are the actual prices here's the trendings yeah this is how much people are into this stuff dude 20 years later and live you can actually see the the posts from these counts so i was fascinated by this because i'm like this is more than any other game I've ever seen. This is real economy. And what would mm-hmm. happen is, as I would listen to people talk, a lot of people were making income off this. And so they'll say, like, they could go here and they could farm items here. Mm-hmm. And those items, so for example, when I was trying to sell the axe, it's one whole chrono, whereas one whole chrono on another server is nothing, especially in the EverQuest server that's been around for 20 years. So what they could do is, as these new servers open up, People will get hundreds of these kroners. And so, in fact, they're making tens of thousands of dollars by playing the economies across different things and then selling to other players who are, you know, somebody like us, you know, we're busy with our lives and we're like, oh, I need a little money in the game. It's 15 bucks. uh, And then I'm supporting the developers. At least this is how I look at it. I know you have very different feelings about uh, buying game things. But for me, I'm always like, it's 15 bucks. Versus me farming something for hundreds of hours. I'll do it. I'm supporting the devs. And in doing that, I'm also supporting somebody's life mm-hmm. because they're actually farming all this. And so it was just super interesting to see real people talking about all these things because that's what you would get across the Discord mm-hmm. um, that I hadn't seen. And a lot of them came from WoW, um, which was like, I was like, I had no, I, I guess for me, it was a big awakening and a realization that I was, I've been playing this thing as a solo game. And there's this huge communal aspect to all of this that's actually grown that I thought was lost and only in mm-hmm. the games my kids were playing, but still exists. 
And so it's been, uh, it, it was a lot of fun, man. So I'm done with it. I realized my personality type and my need to keep continuing those goals that I just don't have the time for it. And that would happen in, uh, there was like one conversation where my wife and kind, I thought I had helped. I'd done everything. Kids were off to bed and it was quote unquote raid night. And they were like, dad, I really like, it was my littlest one. She's like, dad, please, please come. And I had already tucked her in, but she wanted me there again. And I was like, dad's in the raid. And, uh, and as I'm saying it, I'm like, this is not the type oh, of father I'm going to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, all right. And then that, so I'm like, all right, I burned that memory for her childhood and that'll mm-hmm. never happen again. So I pulled myself off and, uh, and, you know, just did other things for a couple of days to kind of reset the brain. Mm-hmm. And now I'm fine. Now I, I, I have no need to uh, log in. I accomplished everything I did. But yeah, it was a super you, interesting man. trip. Huh? Yeah. I, was, I was curious to see what this was going to be for you because I didn't have the same nostalgia that you had. Like you played that off and on for years and years and yeah, years. Yeah, I played I, uh, with my brother-in-law too. So I had memories around that as well. Yeah, I gave it – I mean five months playing a game is a long time. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, But I only played yeah. it for five months. For me, it's weird. There's You realize – how I never finished those goals I had set for myself 20 years ago, somehow mm-hmm. suddenly they mattered again. And I had forgotten about them. But I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I do want to kill that dragon. I do want to participate in something bigger than me. Um, and so it became important for a little while. And then I accomplished it. And now it's a bucket list checkbox that's done. Mm-hmm. You know, And yeah. super interesting that we got that opportunity again. We may have that opportunity again when WoW Classic comes out to kind of relive some of those moments of Kev – running around with a yeah i don't know i think i'd be more i'd be more likely to try that but i I, still a part of me is like that was me when i was in my like 20s and 30s you know yes i'm not sure i'm not sure i want to be that guy again but here's the thing it's like having a conversation with your 20 30 self oh super interesting i don't Mm -hmm. because and i thought a lot about this man is that because gaming is such a part of who, where we've spent time with each other and mm-hmm. where we've experienced a lot of journeys in hero's journey for ourselves and all this content we've explored now for 30 something years mm-hmm. to go back in time when it's in a lot of the terminology I've realized that people are saying now is in error, error, not error, but E-R-A, mm-hmm. right? Is that- yeah, yeah, yeah. So like basically my being going back in time, I killed Vox and Nagaf and which are the two dragons, fire and ice dragons in mm-hmm. error. And you could have only done that 20 years ago, but mm-hmm. because they rolled back the servers, you're doing it's the it. the same in- experience. Yes. And so what's interesting is for me being an older man where I am now, there are things that I take for granted. You forget the personal growth that you have in your twenties and your Mm thirties. And so like, I'll give you an example, Phil. Um, You're in a group, something goes wrong. Natural reaction to human beings is they start pointing fingers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, you remember me back then and my kids get in trouble with this, with their friends is in my twenties, I burned relationships because I would, curse at people and call it out. I mean, I was not a mature individual when it came to reacting to adversity mm-hmm. in the midst of like my adrenaline rushing and all. And now I'm very different. It's almost like I, I'm like watching the scene unfold as a spectator versus being inside the chaos, if that makes yeah. sense. Yep. 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 And, uh, perfect so, sense. yeah. And so what was interesting was watch people react like that. I was like, wow, that was me. 
what a dick mm. I was, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it, you it, know it, what, though? I, I equate that to my, my early years as a manager where it was the same thing. Like, I just wasn't mature enough to really always make the supportive calls and, and always give people uh, a little bit more leash. I didn't quite understand the role. And then as you get older, you just say, oh, okay, I was, I've been doing this wrong. This is not about me. It's about them. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. The, the, the difference is, though, that you're feeling the adrenaline rush. Like, literally, my teeth right. are chattering. Uh, <laughs> because I do. I get that adrenaline spike. Sometimes I'll get that what's on stage. Um, and if you had asked me if I got that kind of spike and I was confronted with hostility um, when I was trying to achieve some goal, like, I wouldn't have known how I would have reacted. Uh-huh. That, right, I would have known how I would have reacted because it's typically unless somebody's going to punch you at work, right? It's a lot of times you don't you don't have you do like what you're saying with making decisions and being mature in that in that because yeah, I had that I, mean, I remember listen, almost when the pressure's on and a production system is down or something like that. There's still a lot of adrenaline going. Oh, around. that's true. <laughs> the email server's down. <laughs> yeah, to be able to keep your cool is actually a um, a thing that that people look to you for after you've proven that you can be that guy. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fun, man. It was it was good to uh, to go back in time. Let's wrap it up with our lessons learned mm-hmm. for this week. Do you have anything you wanna you wanna talk about? Yeah, well, so um, you know, one of the things that uh, that I've learned through the course of um, so so particular to the, you know the 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 a situation that's going on with my old employer, I left my old organization seven years ago now, and since that time, you know, I left because I didn't think that I was going to be the next CIO on the list. You know what I mean? So I left to be that guy somewhere else, and they've now since gone through four of them, and and just this week. Um, a guy who was my peer, who was eventually promoted to CIO, he, you know, he only lasted a couple months and then he was let go. Wow. I don't know the, exactly what the situation was, but you know, the lesson learned there is, you know, sometimes you just have to let your life sort of lead you in the direction that it's supposed to lead you. Because I, I often had these thoughts of like, what if I would have stayed? The company's a different place now. And, and uh, it's been something that I've been, th- I'm going to have lunch with him on Wednesday. But it's it's something that I've been thinking about pretty heavily. Is is uh, you know don't always beat myself up over over you know what could have been because what's going on right now is is probably the right thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a great lesson learned. I uh, there's always opportunity, you know, especially if somebody like you is such a hard worker and willing to go to task. Um, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's you have it a lot. I I really feel like you get. People, it's unfortunate. I wish there was like, especially with recruiting, right? I wish there was some like, you could just like wave a wand over somebody and you would get a score of like their potential and who they really are (laughs) versus like what's on their LinkedIn and everything else, you know? Right. Um, And you're like that. It's it's, it's, you're very humble on the outside. It was just amazing leader. Here's my lesson learned. And it's, it's funny how this works. I was, you know, I, I do mentoring, um, both at work and, and outside work. And this, this uh, happened to be a work person. And I asked them a question and I realized halfway through, I was actually asking myself. And th- this question, I, I didn't know how to, like when people ask me why I'm happy, um, this question actually put that in. And here's, a, here's the question, because before I go any deeper, it probably helps to actually say what the question was, is are you doing this for you or the company. Mm-hmm. And over my career, I've been really fortunate 
to work with some really great companies who have allowed me to express myself. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the only thing I was doing was adding to the success of the company. Mm -hmm. And what happens is if you tie yourself up in that, if something happens with the company, then you feel bad with your self-esteem. Right. If there's changes in the org at work where uh, you know maybe you're not reporting in a certain individuals that you were before and you get afraid because you doubt your ability like are, are you no longer as important as the company and for me like what this journey I've gone over for the past 2 years was realizing who am I as a person what's my legacy what am I doing and what am I doing for the company and being very, very realistic and direct about that? Because I feel companies are, and so that I have no expectation. I think a lot of people go through where like, if they're disappointed in a review or comp, it's because they feel like, doesn't the company get all these other things that they were doing when the company was like, we only need you for this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So being very direct about, well, I'm, I only do this for the company. I did all these other things over the course of the year that were amazing. But those were for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because I felt it was the right thing to do and I was helping people. And um, I really feel like that's how I've been able to ha be happy is it's of my own making. And what happens is over time is you get more and more like that. If you just say, all right, for this year, these are all the things I'm going to do for the company. But these are all the things I'm going to do for me. And some of those can be fitness. Some of those can be learning new things. They can also yeah. be work and career and industry related. But what happens at the end of that is your confidence shoots up tenfold. Mm -hmm. Because you're like, well, there's all these different things I can do. So if the company decides to go in a different direction, I can offer these things. Right. It doesn't define who you are. Right. Your, your, your identity is not, is not tied to the company. Yep. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's something I have not been good at for a very long time. And uh, it's, a lot of that operates on a subconscious level too. You don't even know it's happening, right? It's like- no, it's, di it's difficult because, you know, men, men are, are, are wired to think that their job is their life, you know? I mean, at least yeah. that's been the experience for me and a lot of the people that I know is that your identity is very much wrapped into that. So, you know, I mean, of course, I'm always going to try and do the best things that I can for the company. If the company is doing well, I'm like, cool, that's because it's stuff I did, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Like there have been points in my career where I got really, really good at doing things the way the company wanted to do, right? But that's all I did. I didn't like grow as a person. I just got better at doing mm -hmm. some operational process. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I would look back and I would and, – and then if those processes ever changed, you know, you would feel like a loss and you'd be like, well, what's going on? And like, yeah. Oh, well, that's so, that's that's part of the reason why processes don't change in companies is because people have their identity associated with them. There you like go, I, man. That's a I great. Made, way I made this. I made this process. I designed it, and I'm the best yeah. one at it. And so I'm not changing it, no matter what. Even if it's the best thing for the company, this is who I am. Right. And I think that's being really brutally honest and being like, "Look, mm -hmm. this was just a process that the uh, company was doing. It's not me." And and. Um, you know, you can, you, when that changes or shifts, there's not this like blow to your ego. Right. Um, so that was a big lesson learned for me. I actually wrote it down. I, I do, uh, we've talked about this. I think the app I use, it's on Android and, um, and iOS is called day one. Uh, and it's a diary and I was, I was going through and I wrote it down and that was one of the things 
the questions to ask is, what do I want? Who am I? And what am I doing for the company? Right? Because you could apply that to anything in life, right? Like, who are you as a father? But what do you need to do as a father? Yeah. You know? That's, and, that's a good point. Um, and so I, I'm starting to think about that in all different areas of my life. Here's something super interesting, Phil. I've, this is the first time – you and all the other listeners, right? <laughs> but here's what I figured out is I also asked my question this. Well, if it's, you know, if I think for a while it was career and it's actually not career anymore for me. What What is the number one thing? What is Dave's most important goal in life right now at my age? And you know what it is? And by being this, by being realistic with this, like everything else, you can like, if something happens at work, it doesn't bother you as much. Like, cause I know what my most important goal is right now. And I didn't figure this out until I was journaling. Here it is. I want to be in the best shape of my life when I turn 50. Oh, nice. Yep. And that <clears throat> I've realized subconsciously, that's what all these other things are. All these things I'm adding to mm -hmm. my gym and the diet. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then if I ate little poorly, like we were talking yesterday when I had pizza and then I ran for two hours like an idiot and hurt mm -hmm. my knee. Why is that? And it's because it's actually become the most important goal is this. And that's only four and a half years away. Yeah, <laughs> but I want to, I want, and I can visualize it. I, I like, I want to, mm -hmm. I want to be a 50 year old in shape. You should, you should come to Florida with us when we do the half marathon in a year and a half. Oh yeah, man! I totally will. You let me, I can hop on a plane with my miles. You let me know. Yeah, we're doing it for Brian's fiftieth. We're all going to run it. Last time we did it was for his fortieth, I think, and um, it was me, me, Kevin, Brian. So we'll try and get as many. Frank, I think, is going to try and do it too. Nice. I uh, just let me know the dates. Yep, I'll definitely do that. All right, man. It was great chatting. Yeah, as always. <laughs>